Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to AOK. Before we start the episode, we just want to remind you that everyone's sexual and romantic attraction works a bit differently. What you are about to hear are opinions based on personal experience, and any descriptions of romantic or sexual orientations featured in this episode are not representative of any group. friends and welcome to AOK, the podcast about people on the aromantic and asexual spectrums. I'm your Aeroace host, Courtney Lang, and joining us today is Sherry, who is a future law student. Hello, and thanks for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I, my name is Sherry. Um, I am from North Carolina, born and raised. Um, I'm 22 years old, and um, I go by she, her pronouns, and I'm an asexual aromantic. Awesome. What does being aromantic and asexual mean for you? They are both a sense of comfort for me and knowing that I'm not weird and I'm not, there's nothing wrong with me. And the experiences that I had, especially when I was younger, were not abnormal. Um, And yeah, that there are other people experience life the same way I do and that I'm not as alone as I had felt when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. And when did you figure mm-hmm. it out? I started identifying as aromantic first, which was when I was like 18. Uh, I was a freshman in college and I I knew what asexual was. Uh, I had a friend, one of my childhood friends, when we were like 14, he identified as asexual. So I knew the term, but I didn't necessarily like know what it really meant or anything like that. And I, I remember saying something when I was younger, like, Oh, I don't know what my sexuality is, but I'm definitely not asexual. Mm. Um, But I eventually, like, I never knew what my sexuality was. Like I didn't have a label for it. And then as a senior in high school, I, identified as biromantic but don't really know my sexuality but I'll just assume that I'm straight and so I knew about the split attraction model and that's how from that I started to realize because my initial thought was like I'm not attracted to guys so I must be gay and so that's why I kind of went with biromantic and it never really fit for me and then when I was in college, I somehow found out that there's a word for what I experienced. So I identified as aromantic. And then a few months later, I was like, yeah, I'm actually asexual too. <laughs> Most people that come on the show have the opposite, where they figure out they're asexual first and then aromantic or somewhere on the aromantic mm-hmm. spectrum. How did you get that like unique path? I definitely, I think a lot of it was I was trying to cling on to heterosexuality, Mm. but I was kind of accepting that I wasn't straight, and I I really, I think the reason, I definitely had more romantic experiences than sexual ones, like in, I've been in more romantic situations, so 
I realized that something was not as, you know, what I thought it was supposed to be. So, but I hadn't been in a sexual situation. So I was kind of like, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But I honestly, I probably Googled like, why does kissing feel really gross to me? And then saw something about being aromantic and you know I remember I like I read it like the definition I was like oh my god <laughs> that is literally <laughs> what I go through like I is yeah so I found that first and then I just kind of put my sexuality on hold and it didn't take too long though I mean a couple of months later I was like oh okay like mm-hmm. it's not that I need to have sex to know it's like I just don't experience sexual attraction but I yeah I think because I was I mean, my first, like, my first actual, like, romantic experience, I was in, like, seventh, eighth grade. So, obviously, that came before sexual stuff for me. Right. And I, yeah, I just knew that, I mean, when I had this boyfriend and, like, I remember I would be sitting in, like, eighth grade English and he would always meet me in my locker after and, like, we would walk out of school together and literally like fight or flight response would trigger I would be sitting there panicked like I did not want to see him Mm -hmm. I didn't want to hold his hand I didn't want to kiss him and I was just like I I asked my friends like does this wear off and they were kind of like what are you talking about and I was just like I don't know like it's awkward and I don't want to be doing this but I was making myself doing it so yeah I I definitely realized that something was up romantically before sexually yes oh my god that's so relatable (laughs) just that flight or fight and like forcing yourself into it and not wanting to do it oh the worst oh it was it was literally the worst and I mean I feel bad that and I mean I thought I had crushes on people but I was the kind of it was the kind of thing where it was like theoretically that sounds really cool Mm -hmm. but when like romance was directed at me fight or flight like it was absolutely like no get me out of here and I remember in high school I was like a freshman and there's this guy who was horrible but I was convinced I had a crush on him and I remember he, he was kind of reciprocating and I asked my mom like if I if we both like each other do we have to date like is that a requirement or can we just acknowledge that we like each other and not ever do anything And looking back, it's like, oh, that made sense. Like, you were aromantic. Like, you did not want that romantic relationship. And, yeah, it all seemed good theoretically. And then, no, it just, it never wore off. So, because I was aromantic, I didn't want to be in those situations. And I'm glad that I experienced it in a way. It was, I mean, horrible at the time, but I was able to realize (laughs) that I was aromantic pretty quickly after that yeah oh yes that's I'm just like gonna say again so relatable <laughs> yeah oh I feel like that's a big like hero thing it's yeah like forcing yourself in a usually a straight relationship and being like wow I hate this yeah and I don't know why the person's fine yeah sweet, but like don't kiss me I like I, I he would kiss me and I mean it's like, I think of like in The Sims when like teenagers have their first kiss, they, you know, little hearts blur everywhere and they spin and they're happy. And I was literally like, ew. 
Yeah. Like, I felt nothing about it. And I I would try to make myself feel something. And I was just like, no, I don't like this. Yes, so. yes, yes. A hundred percent. Just a things. Yep. Just arrow things. Ugh. (laughs) And what's, so what's a common response you get when you tell people that you're asexual or aromantic? I think the most common is I get questions. Um, people, even if they know what it is, they still have questions and don't really understand it. Oh, isn't that Um, annoying? Yeah, it really is. Because it's like, (laughs) Uh, but I try, especially, like, when I told my parents, um, I mean, obviously they have questions and, you know, it's, I try to be patient and get through it and be as, you know, informative as I can, but it is certainly difficult when, you know, just, like, I had to, I act, not accidentally, but. I was kind of like forced into telling one of my roommates <laughs> that I was asexual. She like put me on the spot Ugh. and yeah. So just moments like that, it's like, this is really awkward because I know I'm going to say it and they're going to be like, what is that? And it's just, it's just going to go around and round and round. So I think, yeah, questions is definitely the most common response. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that in my own experience too. And it's exhausting. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. How often do you think you run into people who already know what it is? More rarely than I think should be okay. I think that most people just don't, either they've heard the term, but they don't actually know what it is, or they just have no idea. Right. But every now and then, yeah, you know, um, other LGBT friends or especially, you know, people's um, internet friends obviously know what it is. And, mm-hmm. um, that's really nice. But just in real life, like walking around, like in college or whatever, it's not as spoken about or recognized Yeah, as other things, for sure. Yes, for sure. Um, speaking of the LGBT, like, do you feel like more people in the LGBT plus community know what it is than people outside of the community? I do. And whether that be a positive or a negative thing, um, (laughs) they either know what it is and, you know, are angry or they know what it is and are okay with it. Um, I do think the community knows more or a person that is otherwise LGBT, I think has a higher chance of knowing what it is, but they'll still you know, probably have questions because they may not have ever spoken to somebody about it. Right. So. Yeah. Oh, and those angry LGBT plus people. Um, you actually recently had a very long Twitter thread about people's yeah. arguments against Aero and Ace identities being included in LGBT plus, right? Yes, I did. Um, Want to tell me a little bit about that? Like what inspired you to do that? Sure. So I started a thread because it was specifically on Yasmin Benoit. Um, she posted a picture and of herself looking stunning and uh, a caption saying that, you know, errors and aces are LGBT. And most of the responses, I won't say most, but a lot of them were typical aphobic stuff. Mm-hmm. And 
what I had noticed, I mean, I've seen it a lot. It's all the same arguments every time. It's the same handful of arguments that make no sense. And if you take any amount of time to do some research or talk to people, you would understand that those arguments don't make any sense, that mm-hmm. they're, either the logic doesn't hold up or that the person doesn't even understand what being asexual or aromantic is or they don't understand what the LGBT community is. Right. And it just frustrated me. And as a political science student, I'm just trained. Like, I had just finished my um, political science capstone project. Like, I'm used to, if you have a hypothesis, you have something you're trying to disprove, find sources, find scholarly sources, and try to back up your argument or disprove your argument. And I was like, I'm going to do that. Because a lot of people will say, like, oh, well, cite your sources. Where's your evidence of this? And it's out there, but people just don't want to look it up. So I was like, I'm going to put this all together and have it in one place, and I'm going to try to do it not argumentatively, but just matter of fact, like, here are the resources, read them, and draw your own conclusion. Yeah, I actually posted... um on AOK Podcast's Twitter page in preparation for this episode. Um, and I asked people for examples of arguments they've heard in their lives that are were against Arrow and Ace identities being included in LGBTQ+. Um, mm-hmm. Would you like to go through them and tear them apart one by one? Oh, yes, let's. Okay. Um, here's the first one. You're okay. actually just straight. Well, um, obviously not. Yep. I mean, you and I, um, <laughs> as aromantic asexuals, we're not straight the same way we're not gay. We're aromantic and we're asexual. So um, when you look at, well, what does being straight mean? And when you're using especially the split attraction model, you're heteroromantic and you are heterosexual. You are straight. You are only attracted romantically and sexually to the opposite gender. Correct. And that we don't experience that. (laughs) So we're not straight, but as with most of this discourse, um, people reference like heteroromantic asexuals or heterosexual aromantics, and they are still not straight. They are asexual or aromantic. So they do not fit. They're not heteroromantic and heterosexual. Um, What about when people say... LGBTQ plus is about sexuality and because we don't experience sexual attraction, it's not a sexuality. Well, there, I linked to a lot of research and different articles on this because asexuality is recognized in medicine by LGBT plus organizations and resources like Planned Parenthood, LGBTQ Nation, Pink News, The Trevor Project. It's recognized as a sexuality. And I link to a lot of stuff saying, hey, this is not, asexuality is not a sexual disorder. It's not just having no sexuality. But, yeah, it definitely is a sexuality. And the LGBT community is not just about sexuality. Yes. Um, that's, that goes to the next one, which is you don't like sex and that's what LGBT plus is about. Like, where? That's, like, that's not, not it. No. No. Like, I mentioned in the thread, it was like children are obviously 
allowed in the LGBT community. Um, whether they're trans or they're gay, like it's not about, obviously with children, like it's not about sex for trans people. It's not just about sex. Like that is just an argument that really doesn't make sense to me to say, Oh, it's always about who you're having sex with. That's just not true. And what about the actual argument about the LG, like you need to suffer to be in the LGBT plus community? Well, who says we don't? Like, I certainly have suffered because of my orientations, and it's not an easy existence. Like, I I mean, when I was, like, 14 and forcing myself to be in, like, straight relationships and thinking that, like, that I just have to grow into it and you know, that's like a scary experience being in a romantic or a sexual situation that you don't want and you can't understand why you don't want it. Mm -hmm. That's like a scary thing. So I certainly, again, like, what do you call suffering? I would consider that to be suffering. Um, So yeah, it's just breaking down, asking them, well, how do you define this? And showing them that they're, what they're really doing is just making excuses to exclude asexuals. Their own arguments don't hold up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like when you look at the evidence or you listen to people, it's just obvious. Like we do suffer. We There is oppression against us, but people just don't either believe us or don't care. And mm-hmm. instead of just saying that, they make excuses. So... Right. Okay. What about, let's see, all my, so my listeners sent in such good ones and I'm just like going through them. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, thank you to the people who contributed to the thread that we're working off of right now because it was so helpful. Um, um, Definitely. And what about people who say you haven't met the right person yet? Uh, That was definitely one that, um, my parents kind of went to, I mean, they're boomers. I can't help it, but they, (laughs) they're like, Oh, you probably, you know, you just had, how do you know if you haven't tried kind of thing? Oh, or, or what about, yeah. Or what about you're just picky? Sure. I guess. I mean, I I don't know. (laughs) Like, I mean, if you consider not wanting anyone to be picky, um, it's just, it's again, it's not like I'm just going to see a person and be like, Oh yeah, I'll take that one. Like I'm going to choose that one. Like, I just don't feel right. attracted to anybody. And that's not just going to change by meeting somebody right. and, that's, like, super special. And I would like to argue there's nothing wrong with being picky if you are picky. Yeah. Like, don't settle. Right. Like, is that an insult? Yeah. Exactly. What's wrong with, like, it, yeah. <laughs> like, know your worth. Know what you want. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Um, yeah. Yes. Okay, this one... Oh, this one makes me so mad every time. So brace yourself. Okay. Um, okay. Demisexual is how everyone feels, or gray sexual mm. is how everyone feels. Mm. Okay. Yeah, definitely not. Um, I think. I mean, to me, like this is debunked pretty easily by the existence of one night stands <laughs> and hookups. <laughs> like yes. Like galaxy brain like those people feel sexual romantic attraction to somebody immediately and 
it's not just how everybody feels. Like, it is a label that people use to explain their experience. And it's a different experience than just normal person. A lot of people are okay with hookups or they meet somebody and they're immediately attracted to them. Whereas for Demi people, that doesn't happen for them and they have to be close with somebody. They have to know them really well before those feelings can exist. And that can be really difficult. That's not just a normal experience. And it's not, I mean, we're all normal. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like we're freaks, but it's an experience that can be difficult. Mm -hmm. And they have a label and it gives them comfort and it allows them to be like, yeah, like this is a normal thing. So no, don't just write off a person's entire identity by just saying, oh, that's normal. Like, yeah, it's normal, but it's a way for them to explain their experiences. Yes, it's normal, but it's not how everyone feels. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's not, yeah, absolutely not. Oh, yeah, it gets me every time. Like, the difference for me, the way I see it is, for gray sexual, it happens sometimes, and it doesn't happen other times, and there's no science behind it. And that's different for everyone who's gray sexual. Um, Mm -hmm. For demisexual, it's like, if you walk into a bar, and you see a guy, or a girl, or person, and you're sexually interested in them, then you're not demisexual because you you didn't you don't know them. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that's the difference. Or people that are like sexually genuinely sexually attracted to like celebrities and stuff. Yeah. It's like you know what I mean? Like people do feel immediate attraction to somebody that they don't know. And yeah, that it's not how everybody feels. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it's just another way to invalidate asexual and aromantic people. And it just doesn't make any sense. But to the people saying it, they're like, oh, that's a good argument. That's just how everyone feels. Right. I feel like that. So it, am I, Demi? And it's like, no. Well, I mean, it's like, maybe, maybe you are. (laughs) I mean, true. Yeah. Like, I mean, self-reflect, learn things. Like, it's okay. Yeah. Um, Oh, here's one that I didn't know existed until someone on the Twitter feed said it. Um, Mm -hmm. People who say Ace and Arrow are just internet sexualities and romantic orientations. Mm, Yeah. I had someone the other day talk about that, too, where they were like, oh, I can't even keep up with all the, the terms. They have existed. They always have. The terminology may be new. Certain terms may be new. And they may be new to you. But that doesn't mean they just existed on the Internet. And there's nothing wrong with finding resources on the Internet that help you discover who you are. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not a bad thing. That doesn't mean the Internet invented it. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Going back, what is monosexual? Monosexual from... What I saw, it was what they, it was a term they used for people that didn't want to have sex but were okay with masturbating. So, and they called it monosexual. And, of the, I mean, obviously that's, you know, some asexual people's experience. So it was kind of like the, like I said, like a predecessor to the term, like understanding, oh, there's some people that are interested in having sex, but 
they, you know, were still categorizing it by sexual activity. Um, but yeah, that was like the 1800s. And some people say, you know, obviously it was, uh, asexuality was mentioned around Stonewall. Um, some people say it dates back even farther to like the 1600s. And, you know, just the point being, the terms are not new. And the experience is certainly not new because it's always existed. And it's just new terminology, new, quote unquote, for an experience that has always been around. All right. Um, the argument that aces and arrows never fought for LGBTQ plus rights. Uh, like, again, we're, we were mentioned in Stonewall text. We have a flag flying at Stonewall. It's just not true. But we're fighting right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we are fighting for our visibility. We're fighting for our acceptance right now. Like, that's literally what we're doing. So we have. We've always been here. People just ignore it or, you know, don't know or just forget us. And that's a problem that we are fighting every day <laughs> to mm-hmm. make sure people remember that we're here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last one and possibly the most annoying one. Um, mm-hmm. The argument that A is for ally. Ah, no. I got into such a long discussion with another asexual person, <laughs> which was, uh, like, I thought I was listening to, I forget which episode, but where somebody, uh, you guys were talking about, like, just because another person is asexual doesn't mean that I'm going to get along with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, no, I was, I was losing it a little bit. But so they were saying, no, the A is for ally. And I said, um, can you cite anything (laughs) that shows that the A was ever intended for ally? And again, I mean, the dates of when these things came into existence and when the acronym evolved, it's pretty difficult to tell. But from everything I could see, ally groups certainly did start, but they did not use the A acronym. And when the A was added, it was for asexuals and aromantics and, and agender people. But people just forgot that. And I think a lot of it just had to go with, like, assumption. People who don't know, because, again, we struggle with visibility, they didn't know what those terms were. So they see the A and they were like, oh, it's for ally. So, yeah, I I know for a fact that when I was in high school and before I even knew that asexual was an orientation, like, I knew something was up. I just had never, ever heard the term. A... Mm -hmm was for ally in my head in high school because that's what I was told. Right. And then... Yeah, and that's what a lot of people are told. Yeah, and that's that's messed up. Yeah. It's like, that. that's for us. And it's not that we hate allies and no. we don't want them in our spaces. Of course. <laughs> we Like, allies are great. And we see you. And you're allowed in our spaces. But let us have our acronym, you know? Yeah. Just, just let us have it. We're just, we're just kept on there. Let us have it. Yeah. It's just ours. And I don't, again, the people pushing for us for ally is just another way to say that asexuals don't matter. So we made it through all of those. Um, Yikes. That's a lot of arguments. And you had good points against each one. Well, thank you. Yeah. And there's more out there. Oh, of course. Yeah. They, they come up with new ones all the time. (laughs) Or they try to. It's like the same, but yeah. just packaged a little bit differently. Yes. Oh, my God. And 
Like, clearly, you know your stuff, um, because as we said, you're a a future law student, right? Yes, I am. Okay, you're starting in August? Yes, well, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, (laughs) I'm supposed to start in August. Um, um, But I'm staying in North Carolina. Um, I I mean, I'm still technically a senior in college, but obviously I'm not at school. Um, And I was a political science major, and I have minors in pre-law and criminology and did all my took the LSAT applied to two schools got into both and yeah I'm really excited wow what got you interested in law um honestly I switched to pre-law on a whim by just because I was like I was originally a campaign management minor and then I was like "Hmm, I kind of hate politics so (laughs) I'm gonna go with more (laughs) I'm going to go more with, like, the law section. And, I mean, I've always been interested in law stuff. I mean, I've seen every forensic file. Like, come on. So <laughs> I was like, <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I thought it was really cool. And um, I took a few, like, constitutional law classes. And then, um, yeah, just kept going. And I really enjoyed it. And decided one day that, yeah, I want to go to law school. And when I told my parents that, my mom said, I think you're too lazy for that. <gasps> and I was like, okay. I was like, fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, it kind of, you know, motivated me. And, yeah, now I'm, like, totally set on it. I'm really excited. That's so awesome. Is there a specific type of law that you want to practice? Um, I'm always – I mean, I'm definitely open. Um, I, but my go-to answer is, like, I want to do – criminal law I'd like to be a prosecutor but I have only like this semester actually been able to study civil law um in any detail I had to um I'm doing this legal research and writing assignment on medical malpractice and I find that really interesting so I'm definitely open to it I know you know a lot of people go in um and say oh I'm gonna be a prosecutor and then they're like they realize, you know, being a defense attorney is, you know, what I meant to do. So I'm definitely open to it. And especially L1, your first year of law school is you get a little bit of everything. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think I want to go in and prosecute, but um, maybe be a judge one day. I don't know. Very cool. Wow. <laughs> Um, okay, I have one more question for you, and it's the big one. Um, okay. Who is someone important to you? Somebody important to me. First person that comes to mind, especially, I think, in the spirit of this episode, would be Yasmin Benoit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I adore her. Um, I look up to her. She inspires me every day. Um, and... Yeah, I just, I don't know how she does it. And especially as, you know, she's proud of her sexuality and she has to deal with that. And she's just such a great voice in our community. And especially um, being a black woman, you know, that's another level to the experience that I don't have. And she really is just such an important voice in the community. And I respect her so much. And, yeah, that was another reason for the thread. I was like, I'm not going to let people talk that about Yasmin. So, yeah, let's break it down. Yes. <laughs> so, I adore her. <laughs> oh, good answer. Wow. Um, 
Great. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that I missed? Um, I don't think so. I think we went over it. Well, no, I said that. Yeah, no, I think that was everything. Great. Okay, well, thank you so much for um, joining me. Yes, thank you. Yeah, and thank you to everyone listening and to our newest patrons, Brianna and Zazas. Uh, We're only $25 away from being fully funded, which is huge. Um, And to check out our Patreon and learn more about the benefits uh, of supporting the show, go to patreon.com slash AOKpod. There's bonus content on there. There's polls that you get to participate in. It's super cool. Um, And as always, thank you to Uberkick for the use of their song AOK, to Tanner Grayler for creating our cover art, to Sophie Lolan for editing and producing this episode, and to our amazing patrons at patreon.com slash AOKpod. I'll be back next week with another guest, but until then, I'm Courtney Lang. And I'm Sherry. And And we we are are AOK. AOK.